prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Bradley Whitford from the West Wing to Handmaid's Tale. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, thrilled to say a first-time guest on this week's edition of Happy, Sad, Confused, Mr. Bradley Whitford, someone I have a great deal of respect for, for the way he has carved out an amazing career in TV and film, for his good humor, for his good politics that I that I subscribe to, um, and just for being a part of the pop culture landscape for, I don't know what, like over 30 years, actually, if you get right down to it. Um, this is one thing I discovered in digging into his resume was, oh yeah, Bradley Whitford sure has been in these things in recent years, from the West Wing, and then in more recent times, things like Get Out and Handmaid's Tale, but I was digging into the movies I kind of grew up with and realized, oh my gosh, he's been in everything from like Philadelphia to Adventures in Babysitting. He really, a sensible woman. He just popped up in so many great movies prior to him kind of hitting it big with his association with The West Wing and Aaron Sorkin. Um, so a lot to dig into in this conversation. He is a very uh, quick-witted, funny, smart guy and, um, have a, like I said, have a great deal of respect for him. So this was a thrill to get a chance to get to know Bradley in this edition of the podcast. He is promoting the new season of Handmaid's Tale, which uh, drops this week. And he, uh, he, of course, joined, I think a couple seasons ago, he won an Emmy in his first uh, go-round on Handmaid's Tale. Um, and Handmaid is now in its fourth season. And of course, you guys should check that out on Hulu. Um, the acting doesn't get any better than folks like Elizabeth Moss and, and, um, and Bradley. So check that out. And I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Bradley today. Um, other things to mention, I teased this last week in a matter of hours or, or a day or two, you'll be able to watch my conversation with Michael B. Jordan about his new Amazon film, Without Remorse. Really proud of that one, and always a big treat to catch up with Michael B. Uh, the man is kind of on top of the world. I mean, top five movie stars on the planet, maybe, right now, is Michael B. Jordan. You know? It's hard to hard to think of people that have more clout right now and are, are mixing it up like he is. Um, Creed and Black Panther, you know, emerging and things like Friday Night Lights and Fruitvale Station. Um, again, a guy I have so much respect for and a guy I, I've known for quite a bit. So that was a real treat to get to know, or not to get to know him, I know him already, but to really get a chance to dig into some of this stuff with him uh, for MTV. So look for that on my social media. I'll tease it out on Joshua Horowitz, but you can always look it up on MTV News' YouTube page. And um, yeah, that's one that you should definitely not miss. Other housekeeping things. So I have I have news which may seem like sad news, but it's kind of necessary news, and it's more of an evolutionary news, if that's a word. So we have had such an amazing time, and by we I mean me and the folks at Comedy Central, a pretty small team, in the last about a year, a little bit over a year, um, making Stir Crazy. We made, I think, about 50 episodes, and uh, it was just, it, it was such a a great focus for me personally in the middle of this madness of 2020 of the pandemic of frankly going through personal stuff and losing my dad in the middle of 2020 to be able to focus on a new venture like stir crazy and work with the talented comedy central folks and welcome some of my favorite um, actors and comedians to a silly format like stir crazy was such a joy when we launched it, we knew this wasn't this wasn't maybe necessarily a sustainable thing forever. It's a Zoom conversation. The whole nature of the thing is we're all going stir crazy for a variety of reasons. Stir crazy, I'm sad to say, is over. So shed a tear, pour one out for stir crazy. We went out, I will say, 
with a doozy. If you saw the Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie episode, um, over a million views on YouTube, uh, a gajillion views on TikTok, I think. I don't know, so many people sent it to me and I was staggered by how many people were enjoying it. So, um, like I said, I, I'm endlessly proud of what we did on Stir Crazy and the guest list speaks for itself and I, I, I'm so proud of, of Again, the small band of crazy folks at Comedy Central. I'll give a shout out to Alan Miller, who is my producer and was just remarkable in helping to kind of formulate this show and just keep it uh, running week after week. So the era of Stir Crazy is sadly at an end. That being said, you know me. I'm not going to retire my shenanigans. They will live on in other forms, in other ways, and I'm not ready today to announce something, but... Literally in a couple days, I have something that will scratch the itch for you guys looking for my shenanigans. Um, so I will just say stay tuned. And it's going to be a big, exciting new thing, again, with some folks that you love. We're launching, if all goes according to plan, I'm going to knock on wood in my apartment uh, next week. So next week, a new, a new kind of series with uh, Josh shenanigans with celebrities, which is, I know what a lot of you guys enjoy me doing. Um, so stay tuned and RIP, stir crazy. Who knows? Maybe it will live on another day, another time, another place. You never know. It's a weird, wild media world. Um, anyway, that's the, the happy, sad, confused news about stir crazy. But let's get to the happy conversation today with Mr. Bradley Whitford, Starring in season four of Handmaid's Tale. Uh, love chatting and getting to know Bradley, and I know you will love getting to know him too. Here he is, Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford, welcome to the Happy Second Fuse podcast. First time guest, longtime fan. Thanks for being here, Thank man. It's a pleasure to be here, Josh. So, um, you know, I do my, my copious research. I'm nothing if not professional. Uh, I was seeing sure. it. Yeah, well, you'll you'll be dissuaded of that pretty soon. But um, I was watching an interview with you about, probably a year and a half ago before the shit hit the fan. You were opining about wanting to spend some more time at home and uh, <laughs> and um, traveling too much. Um, would you like to reevaluate said statements? Bradley? Oh my god! Um, look, uh, I am an obnoxiously uh, lucky. A privileged human being and uh you know i i i loved spending uh so much time uh at home i loved i have uh grown kids uh who i had extra time with in a totally non-self-conscious uh, way where we were just living together, which is so much more powerful than doing special things uh, together. Um, the dogs, uh, slowing down, um, and again, I, I believe me, I understand how lucky I am, but, but reducing the chaos of, of travel uh, was really amazing. Then uh, when I did, and again, I was a lucky person who could work uh, after really enjoying uh, this time with my wife and my kids and my dogs. When I went to go back to Handmaid's Tale, uh, usually one of the wonderful things about the job is it's such an interesting part. And uh, But the show is about June, 
you know, it's about Lizzie's character. So you go up and you do these amazing scenes and then you fly back. Well, this time, you know, you have to, you have to quarantine. Um, and it involved two trips up. So it was a full month of, they're serious about the quarantine up there, you know? I'm sure. Well, what, is, what is the etiquette? Because you kind of like have like a head start on many of the rest of us. Like I'm just literally as of like yesterday, I'm now fully vaccinated. Two weeks out from my second shot. So happy about it. And starting to entertain like seeing people in some, you know, in safe ways. Like, are you hugging your castmates? Are you like, what does it approximate what it used to be in, in these kind on of the bubbles? advice of my attorney, uh, I'm going <laughs> to take the fifth on that. No. Um, you know, we talked about it. I, I, you know, we did the West Wing reunion uh, right. during this time uh, with uh, all the protocols uh, in place. And it was heartbreaking to not be able to, you know, throw your arms around Allison. Um, it, it, I mean, that's where you really felt it the most. And it does make you realize that um the the joy uh, i i feel this i've always felt this but the older i get the more I, I i feel it there's a lot of stuff that i've shot that i i really i have no interest in watching it it's more about the process of making it and we were actually talking on the west wing thing about how you, you know when we were doing west wing we didn't have these phones. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to sound like an old actor, but it's always sort of heartbreaking because when they used to say cut, that was when uh, the fun began. Um, and, uh, you know, the teasing and the flirting and the, and the connecting. And now you say cut and uh, heads go down. Yeah. 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 Heads, heads go down uh, to the phone. Um, but, uh, it, I, I think everybody feels, uh, frustrated, uh, not to be able to have that sort of set experience. And, and I did notice that on Handmaid's Tale, which is, um, it's a brutal show. The material is really quite brutal. Um, and it is one of the sweetest sets I have ever been on, uh, in my life, which I think is, uh, it's partially the people who run the show, Warren Littlefield, uh, Bruce Miller. It's uh, Elizabeth Moss. Moss is one of the least pretentious, sweetest, most brilliant human beings I've ever met. But the contrast <laughs> uh, on this set, uh, you know, it's like, you know, you expect that like the AD, you know, these Canadians and they're they are genetically stereotypically the sweetest people on the planet and you know it'll be like uh, okay uh, I, I i don't want to rush you but i think we should get the nooses on the girls <laughs> it would be a good thing yeah yeah, yeah. i think it'd be yeah. no spread your legs because we can't see the commander sorry sorry i'm sorry you know, i mean so could you imagine going the other route yeah like i'm i think of things yeah like you know, was Requiem for a, for a Dream a fun set for anybody? I mean, how, how do you get through something like that? And I, I can't imagine. Well, yeah, I, listen, everybody thinks Handmaids must be really, and it's extraordinary. Lizzie, again, it was just so impressive to me. I, I, this is, I'm not, 
I have the job. I'm not kissing anybody. <laughs> um, uh, sh- the performance she's doing, I, I tease her. It's, uh, you know, Sophie's Choice, the series. Right. Like, it, it just is a Dante poem uh, where you're, you're trying to find the bottom. Uh, she is the most emotionally, uh, she can access all that stuff. There's, you know, it's not like, hey guys, quiet, quiet on the set. Right. You know, Lizzie needs us to be quiet. She's like got her ear pod in and uh, she's giving notes, uh, you know, on a recent cut, listening to some music. And then we're like, hey, hey Lizzie, we're rolling. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's a superpower. Is that what you mean when you say least pretentious? Because yeah, like, is, is it the trappings? Is it sort of like, I need my space, I need to focus? Or are there other things you're referring to when you when you talking about pretension from an actor? I mean, we've seen the, the stereotypes depicted over the years and everyone has a different path, you know? I love Daniel Day-Lewis next, as much as the next guy, but like- Oh yeah, but he was a- eaten with his toes when he, when he yeah. uh, you know, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and for some people, that's, the, you know, that's the way to do it. My inclination, if this makes any sense, uh, and I realize, like, I will always say as a joke, if somebody says something nice about me, I will, I'll say, uh, I stand behind none of my work. It's easier that way. And it's a joke, um, partially because I'm embarrassed to be an actor. <laughs> I, I always want to do that. You're going to have to embrace it. Yeah. You know, at the Screen Actors Guild, uh, you know, uh, awards, they'll, uh, they'll, you know, it'll be like, hi, I'm Kathy Bates. I grew up here and I am proud to be an actor. (laughs) I'm going to be one of those where I'm like, uh, uh, you know, my name is Brad Whitford. I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. I've been doing this for 35 years. I'm still not proud of it. Still on the fence. Yeah. It's kind of excruciating. Uh, We're all clowns. You know this, right? Yeah. Um, I wear makeup for a living. Thank you. Um, but honestly, I, I am better off if I am constantly undercutting the importance of, of, of what I'm doing, of, of what I'm doing. I, I, I think, um, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. I, I like, uh, there's a couple of differences between good act, good actors and great actors uh, that I've seen in, in other actors. Um, when you're standing right there with one of these people who's kind of blowing you away, there's a distinct sense that we're, uh, this isn't school, this is recess even in a very difficult, emotionally heartbreaking performance, there's, there's a freedom and, um, and a sense of play. That anything could happen. That, like, that anything could happen. So yeah. even if you're doing a, you know, a scene that is, I, I mean, there's a, a, an incredible um, actor, Hank Warnitz, uh, uh, who has done a lot of, Shakespeare, a lot of regional Shakespeare. And I worked with him when I was young and he was playing Henry V and you've never seen anybody fuck around more off stage. Um, uh, just, you know, in order to get there, there's a sense of mischief. Um, 
that I think no matter what the material gets you to an interesting place. Mark Rylance is like that. Yeah. There's you know who that reminds me of the way you're talking? I always hear Anthony Hopkins talk about it that way. He seems like the most like whimsical, like it's just, he, he totally minimizes what he's doing. Like I'm there to say the words and it's yeah, just a and, job. And, and he's actually, uh, you know, it's, it may feel when you're looking at, at you know, a genius, <laughs> like Hopkins, uh, it may feel like false modesty, but I, I think tactical, I think it's, I think it's, in, it's obviously his instinct and it's honest. Um, but I think it keeps him in a place. I, I like, it is not help. I, I make a joke. Uh, anybody who's worked with me has heard me, uh, make this joke, uh, where understandably the AD or the director, will go, come on, guys, come on, we got to go. At which point I will go, uh, guys, let's take the joy out of it and get it done. <laughs> right, right. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just remember yeah, this is supposed to be take very the joy unpleasant. Out of it and get it done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I don't find that uh, like a helpful, yeah. um, a helpful way to do it. I'm sure there are people who I have worked with who are like, just shut that fucking clown up. Um, well, you know, I'll take your way. It sounds a little bit more pleasurable and clearly <laughs> it gets the work done. Yeah. Yeah. I done. Mean, and there is no one thing I have very strong feelings about is um, uh, these people who think they need to be pricks uh, uh, when they're directing. Like when, when a director's it's like first do no harm. You know what I don't need from a director when, you know, I'm making a public spectacle of myself for them to reinforce the fact that they are scared. Yeah. Like we're all scared. Nobody knows how to do this. Nobody has any fucking idea. You know, was I shooting get out, you know, we're like after, after a take where we going, yeah, you know, <laughs> We nailed that take. This is, gonna be, this is going to yeah. be amazing. Yeah. Like you're like, oh God, I hope this works. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, and all of the great directors that I have worked with, whether it's Alan Pakula or Jordan Peele or you know Spielberg, uh, you know they're not monstrous pricks. You don't. You, uh, that's just not helpful. You know, so you mentioned some of the directors you've worked with, and I, you know, I'm very. Did, familiar. I, did I name drop? No, no. This is that's the. Did podcast I mention Clint Eastwood? That's the podcast for this. I was going to bring them up if you did it, so you're one ahead of me. But like, I've seen a ton of your work over the years, and 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 when I w went back and and looked at the resume, like I kind of realized, like, oh wait, you're kind of like a Forrest Gumpian figure in the late '80s to late '90s. So there was like a ten-year stretch even before West Wing, where I know you'd been doing theater for a bit, etc. But then like you get in this run with like yeah. this kind of crazy, like these, these movies that are really kind of like integral to my growing up, frankly, um, starting with, I mean, this is, a, this is a random one that you didn't mention. I watched the opening scene the other day of Adventures in Babysitting in which <laughs> Elizabeth Shue is dancing her heart out, dreaming of a life with you, <laughs> serenading a photo of you. Um, Chris Columbus directing, Elizabeth Shue pining after you. What are your memories? Oh my God. I, you know, uh, Chris is one of the sweetest guys in the world. I was absolutely 
uh, in love with with Lisa Shu. Um, uh, and I think, am I crazy? Is that Chris's first directing movie? I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I don't think I'm making this up, but I think I was there the first day um, uh, and Chris had written, he had sold some big scripts, I know. Yeah. Goonies or something like that. Uh, but he was directing for the first time. Uh, and he very, uh, I, I think he very <laughs> conscientiously uh, had his like shot list uh, and had everything storyboarded. I, and I forget who the DP was, but I just remember um, him showing like the storyboards to the DP and the DP going, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Aren't you cute? Maybe Aren't you cute the... for some director? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. You storyboarded it. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, what year was that? That's actually it's 85, I want to say. Um, uh, no, it's after that. It's like it? 86, 87. Could be. So it doesn't matter. Uh, that was my uh, prick phase. I, I had a long uh, prick phase. Uh, I, I, I do I do remember. What was the height of your prick phase? Uh, what was the height? Yeah. Uh, well, I think I proved uh, in in pretty quick succession. I, I there was uh, Revenge of the Nerds right. two colon Nerds in Paradise and Billy Madison, where I showed really incredible range because I could play a prick. And I could also play a prick on vacation. <laughs> Give me any environment. I will bring my prickiness to it. Uh, I will bring the, you know, the white douchebag uh, wherever you call. You also can bring it to the dinner table with uh, Al Pacino and yes. suffer the consequences. Yes. Yeah, uh, that was intense. Um, so that's Martin Bress directing. That's a heavyweight. That's Al Pacino uh, going on to win the Oscar for Scent of a Woman. And you're just tearing him apart. You're kind of just really giving him the speech. And he's kind of silently taking it until his breaking point. And then you almost lose your... your well, wife. you know what people always say? They, they, they always say, wow, that looked so realistic when he threw you against the wall. You know, and people will say, did that hurt? And... Uh, I have a little bit of a genetic uh, problem that uh, I produce kidney stones, kind of like a Pez dispenser. What a gift. And yeah, it's a gift. <laughs> and that was one of my first ones. And I had just had lithotripsy where they zap them and they put a stent up your schlong that goes i bet you haven't talked about this on the podcast before this is this is the first that wow. goes from your kidney to your bladder and if it's I, i've had them several times if if it sits on a nerve um you basically uh feel like uh your balls are cavities that are chewing on tinfoil Another image I doubt has come up on the podcast. We'll animate it afterwards for the kids. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but this was a big movie and this was, you know, Al Pacino and uh, Martin Prest. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the show had to go on. So I, like, I didn't tell anybody, but every time, and he was very soft here, like Al knows what he's doing. Um, and I would throw myself against it, but every time I threw myself against it, the stent would shift on this nerve in my balls 
and uh, gave me, I think, a very <laughs> real, real, realistic reaction. Yeah, I saw it in yeah. your eyes, the tears coming down. Um, well, congratulations. The secret word on today's show was schlong, and you got it in the first 20 oh, minutes. Oh, good. So yeah, good. so you'll, you'll yeah. get your prize in the mail. Oh, thank um, you so much. I, I'm a huge Alan Pakula fan. I'm glad you mentioned him. You were in, I think, uh, maybe an overlooked one. Uh, Presumed Innocence, a pretty effective uh, uh, crime thriller. And it's- That was, uh, I, I, that was uh, an incredible experience. That was like the first big uh, movie. Bonnie Bedelia, I remember, yeah. who is so underrated. Oh my God, is she brilliant. Um, and uh, I remember uh, she she said, my uh, my little nephew, he's so cute, uh, is coming to the set. And it was this cute little kid uh, uh, who was saying he was uh, actually going to do a movie. And his name was Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> he was this little, like, five-year-old. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was amazing. Alan was this um, uh, elegant, uh, fastidious, kind guy. I, I always remember his. He was one of those guys who wore comfortable shoes, but the way he stepped, the way he carried himself, was so careful mm. that the shoes seemed like they never wore down. If that makes any sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, that was intense. It was, oh, God, Raul, Julia, man. He's so good oh. in that movie. He's and I got, I got to just uh, uh, be with him. Uh, and he is so free and such a joy. Uh, I, I just loved him, loved him to death. Yeah, but I mean, again, this run is kind of insane. So like there's Scent of a Woman in 92. You mentioned uh, Clint, A Perfect World. For those that haven't seen it, that's another one that kind of like people missed. Some people missed. It came right after Unforgiven well, and it is amazing. Half of that movie I think is brilliant. I think actually, <laughs> again, I stand behind none of my work. You think I it's think the Costner stuff that works and it's the- The, the Costner stuff yeah. um, uh, is- um, is really amazing. Uh, you know, uh, working. Uh, I, I I realize I have a, a sort of ever since uh, Clint went kind of right wing Republican. He was very very sweet um, working with him, and you know his thing. Uh, notoriously, he does not say action or right. cut. Uh, Scared the horses. Was, apparently, that was the whole thing. That was the thing. Yeah. It, 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 it would scare the horses. Um, there was a funny thing that happened with him where uh, I was on the set uh, and I was reading the New York Times and he's sitting in his chair with his heart beating once every three minutes. <laughs> and uh, it was right after Unforgiven and the arts and leisure section uh, the, is back when there were newspapers, if you remember. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I was reading a newspaper on a set last year, and this like twenty-five-year-old uh, actress walks by, looking at her phone, and looks at me and goes, "Whoa, old school." I let my print subscription finally end just last year during COVID, and it was—I was like one of the last of a dying breed. Oh, I'm I know. Tempted, I'm I know. tempted to bring it back. I miss it. 
terribly. Yeah, I know. But I'm I'm sitting next to Clint. I'm looking at this, and and the headline is Clint Eastwood's Vision of America. Uh, and I go, hey, hey, Clint, did you did you see this? And he looks at it. And he goes, Vision of America. Ten years ago, I was working with an orangutan. Now they think I'm Gandhi. <laughs> Something. Uh, Good perspective. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? He does like the one take stuff, but there was a real sweetness about him. Um, uh, he was mistreated and disrespected coming up. Uh, and certainly i you know i i was just a young actor very young actor then and he wanted to make sure that uh he would check in to make sure that um we we're okay if we needed another one nice. he'd, he'd, he'd give us one he was very sweet now now did you have a relationship with sorkin prior to west wing because you had been in a few good men um yeah uh this is a funny thing people will say uh like how did you meet aaron sorkin uh, I did uh, uh, Revenge of the Nerds 2, Colin, Nerds in Paradise, and uh, Tim Busfield uh, was on that. Uh, and Tim and I sort of bonded over uh, theater. Uh, we went to the One Act Festival uh, at Louisville while we were shooting, and we became really good friends. Uh, and then he took over for Tom Hulse in A Few Good Men, and then he was leaving. Uh, and he said to Aaron, uh, I think this guy uh, would be good with your material. And I went in in the kind of Kevin Bacon part um, mm -hmm. and understudied the lead. And then uh, it was an extraordinary thing uh, Aaron did because usually when you're replacing in a long running show, it goes to no disrespect to me a fading television star. Uh, and instead, Aaron, um, Aaron really stepped up and I, yeah. I, I got this part and I had my dressing room uh, at the Music Box Theater was bigger than my apartment. <laughs> You're spending a lot of time there. You're like, wait, I should just- I, I used to sleep there. I, I moved my dog in there because we had, um, uh, they had the 24 hour uh doorman then, so I just moved in. <laughs> Who was the uh, this was one of those productions I'm just so sad I just wasn't the right age to see at the time, but like, who was Jessup? I, I know Stephen Lang played him at, at, at one point. Do you remember who was uh, Ron Perlman? Oh, oh, yeah, there's a power Cuba. to that guy, that's amazing. Cuba, <laughs> so um. I know you've answered every possible thing on, on Westing. I guess my, 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 my broad question on, on your experience playing Josh on that is like, I mean, I remember what it, what it was like just from the outside looking in. Like, it's so rare when, when a show is at the center of like a cultural and political nexus, right? Like, it just never happens. And you had it kind of to a different degree in, in Get Out. But like, do you remember kind of like what it felt like in the eye of the storm at, at its height when like West Wing was like, the Game of Thrones at the moment, where people were kind of obsessed with it, and it was driving cultural conversation, and it was, but it was fun to watch. I mean, it kind of was clicking; all, it was checking all the boxes. Yeah, it was intense. I mean, I, I, the the farther we get away from it, the luckier we all feel. Sure. Um, it, I mean, that was it was a miracle. <laughs> um, it. Uh, 
you know, the thing going on, you cannot um, overstate the relentless obligation of, uh, like, here you're doing a show. Aaron, what Aaron did will never happen again. Yeah. Like 20 hours written by like one guy, like <laughs> 22 hours, the equivalent of 11 feature films in nine months that is uh, verbally complex, emotionally complex, civically complex. So it was just this sort of, uh, you get so close. I, I, the cast, I think, got so close. We were all becoming known at the same moment. Yep. Um, you're all going through this war, this kind of Sisyphusian, <laughs> you know like you know like keep going keep going uh it was it was relentless and then um you know we didn't think we would be taken seriously i i don't think aaron thought we would be taken seriously people mistake people think that aaron um wants to serve everybody their civic vegetables and that's uh he's actually wary of that uh, the reason that show worked is not because Aaron wanted to teach us. It ha it was this arena which was full of conflict, full of uh, theatricality. Um, and it was the collision of like C-SPAN with Aaron's impatient uh, need to entertain. Totally. I, I, yep. I kid him. We kid him about this. Like Aaron writes, uh, other people say, uh, said this about him. Like he's on the first date. He's like <laughs> yes. throwing. He's like throwing the kitchen sink. No, he's, he's, like, he's like afraid. Like you're gonna get bored. Like don't get bored. Don't get bored. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> absolutely terrified. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you everything. This is gonna be. You know, it it it'll be thoughtful. There's gonna be a huge emotional payoff. Uh, he's going to slip on his shoes like it's, you know, a pratfall. Uh, uh, it, it, so it's 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 the collision of those uh, those things that made it work. Yeah. Then something happened when 9-11 happened. We all thought um, in the wake of that, is there a place for a show about wisecracking, you know, Clintonian uh, Democrats? But then because Democrats had no branch of the government. The only Democrats who existed pathetically were fictional. And we became this kind of alternative. It actually worked the other way. Um, uh, but yeah, I, it, was, it was so much fun. And, uh, you know, for a show to, uh, happen to have that kind of cultural relevance. Um, it's a miracle uh, to have a creative experience like that, let alone for it to be um, uh, culturally uh, relevant. And I've had a couple of those. Yeah. Um, but one thing is, uh, the impulse is not to teach. I, I can't imagine the um, the trucks truck full of, of money that peacock has has just offered aaron to just give them like a 10 episode 
return. And I know you're, you're, you guys are asked about it all the time. And I guess Aaron thankfully has a, 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 a heavy plate, uh, you know, a, a loaded up plate, but, um, and I guess the conundrum, as you alluded to is kind of like, what does that even look like today? What does West Wing look like today? And it's, it's a hard nut to crack, like what story to tell in 2021, given what we've just all been through for the last eight years. Um, oh God. Um, yeah. I mean, look, before Trump, I always said the fakest thing about West Wing is we had rational Republicans. Right. Um, now, now it's, it, yeah. now it's, uh, you know, now that Republicans are basically just, you know, a, you know, fascist theater group, a street theater group. Um, but I do think it might, uh, you know, you, first of all, like back then I would, you know, there was talk of the show going on mostly uh we lost john spencer which made yeah. made it feel like it it needed to end but also i would always say like uh you got to get out before your banana turns brown um you you really you really do want uh want to be talking about out. The, the schlong again what are we talking about uh, yeah here? yeah before your schlong turns brown. <laughs> um but the uh I think it would be interesting. I, it couldn't, I, we can't go back to the West Wing, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think it would be interesting to have those characters in another way uh, confront the world as it is now. I think that uh, might be interesting. Did, you know, you alluded to like another kind of incident, incidents like West Wing, which is, of course, I guess, Get Out, which kind of captured the cultural political zeitgeist when it when it came out and um, justifiably so what Jordan was able to achieve is, is remarkable. Did he, did he talk to you about like, in, in some ways, he's kind of cashing in on your persona a bit, like in terms of like the likability of Josh Lyman that we've like enjoyed for 155 hours or like we're predisposed, despite some of the douchebags you've played, admittedly, you, you talked about. Um, in recent years, it feels like we're like, okay, oh, he, he's, we, we trust this guy. He's a good guy. Did, did you have a sense that that was kind of like part of the game of that? Yeah. One? Yeah. I mean, um, uh, you know, he's, he's taking, you know, a, a, you know, cultural semi iconic, you know, prototypical, uh, uh, white liberal. Uh, uh, he's was absolutely playing with it. I remember talking with him once uh, about this very thing, uh, and he was, and I was talking about like you were really trying to turn that on your head. And he's, he said, "I just thought it'd be funny to see Josh Lyman take the top of someone's head off." He's right, by the way. <laughs> but that was an amazing thing, man. That movie, uh, like. I remember reading the script right where I'm sitting right now and going, whoa, um, like it was a forehead knocker. Yeah. Uh, like, why hasn't this been done recently? <laughs> um, but it was dangerous. Like, you know, the, the problem with uh, storytelling of any kind, I find, that makes you really insecure. Uh, <laughs> justifiably insecure is um the problem is if something is just off it's 
even more excruciating. It's like a sour note. Mm. And I remember reading this and going to my wife and saying, oh my God, this is amazing. And by the way, when I, like I would do anything for Jordan Peele. I, I was his biggest fan. Um, I thought, you know, when I heard it was a Jordan Peele movie, I thought, oh my God, he's acting in it. I was really upset because all I ever wanted to do was something, a Key and Peele skit. Um, and uh, when I when I read that, I uh, like I was like, oh, I, I knew I was going to do it uh, just because Jordan had anything to do with it. But I remember thinking, man, if you get this, uh, you know, kind of uh, charming, uh, there's some humor in there, racist, wrong. <laughs> uh that that could be a problem i have never in my life had the experience i remember he, i had to loop and uh the, jordan uh, I, I i i said jordan called me about looping uh and i said uh how's the movie and he's like i think i think it's kind of really good <laughs> and 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 i was which is very unlike jordan sure uh and I was teasing him and saying, oh, well, you know, you spent, you know, what, two years uh, doing this, your career is on the line. You have to drink the Kool-Aid. I'm sure you And he's like, no, I, like, I think people are really kind of responding. Um, and he didn't want me to see it until I saw it in a theater and I went up to Sundance and uh, it was a midnight screening. And I think because people initially thought of Jordan as a comedian, it was raucous. But I have never seen the souffle rise like that. I, 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 I couldn't believe it. I was, I was shocked. It was disturbing. It, it, it was what it was saying was so complex and fundamental. And Jordan would say, you know, it's funny, because people often say, because I've done a, a couple of of horror movies they'll say you know what is it you love about the horror genre i i'm not somebody who's like oh you know saw seven is coming out i can't wait to see it right. um and jordan asked me he's like, you know, he's like do you love horror movies and i'm like eh, you know but jordan is obsessed with them and um uh because he understands he would talk about how horror movies are about ways we process shit that we're too afraid to talk about. Yeah. I'm so Sad thrilled that, that he, that he also like proved like, you know, you're worried, like he's got one in him and then he does it again with us, which is just fa like a fascinating movie that gets richer with each rewatch too. Um, he's, he's got he's, the goods. It's amazing. He, yeah. He's amazing. He's amazing. So a couple, a couple of quick things I want to mention in addition to Handmaid's Tale coming back uh, for season four, I'm intrigued that you're going to be popping up in, in Tick, Tick, Boom. You've shot that? What's yeah. what kind of so wait, are you playing Stephen Sondheim? I am. That's that's interesting. Tell me. Tell me about the experience with Lynn and uh and playing Stephen. Um Lynn is somebody who I love. Uh Lynn uh Lynn and I had the same wonderful acting professor at Wesleyan. Um and Lynn was uh obsessed with West Wing, I remember hearing that um, he was, uh, by the way, I just uh, saw the uh, In the Heights, which is just oh, amazing. I know people have started to see it. You've seen it? 
Yeah, it's unbelievable. But I remember hearing, you know, Lynn's doing like, uh, what is he doing? Uh, this was after he had done In the Heights long before. I think I ran into him. I was, he had done the music for uh, Bring It On while I was doing Boeing Boeing. Um, I don't think he told me, but I heard he was doing like, uh, I said, what is he doing? And he said, it's like, it's, it's a hip hop version of the Founding Fathers. And I was like, aw, good for him. He's got a little thing he's working on. That's a nifty idea. And, and it was, um, I remember watching it the first time and I just, I, I couldn't stop crying. I, 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 I knew it was a brilliant idea. I didn't, uh, the variety of, of, of songs and, and the, uh, the power of that show just, just, boggled boggled my mind he is one of the dearest kindest human beings on the planet uh he and tommy kale um uh are uh absolutely committed uh to uh, a version of what we had on the west wing which is uh a kind of collaborative uh diminish the hierarchy best idea wins uh cruelty is unacceptable uh kindness um you know enjoy uh is 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 a better way to work um lynn was a great director playing stephen sondheim is like uh you know i played hubert humphrey and it was a version of that problem hubert humphrey is this maybe five, 10% of the audience knows what Hubert Humphrey is like. Right. But those 10% really know, and they may be in love with him. Well, this is even worse with Stephen yep. Sondheim. Yeah. Because, um, <laughs> you know, you have a vehement <laughs> musical theater cult in New York and, and you're playing this guy. And he is, as a character, the way he talks, you know, the, the, uh, the unmade bed quality, the orangutan quality of, <laughs> of, 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 of him. Like he's, uh, and, and as an actor, you're like, oh my God, like this is so fun. It's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's like he has no ligaments and like, <laughs> like it, you know, and, and the way he talks, and, uh, like, and it's just fascinating. But then you realize you're way out on this fucking limb yep. of human behavior uh, where 90% uh, of the audience may be like, what? <laughs> why is he acting so strangely? Um, but that's okay, because the 10 percenters, they'll be louder. And if they appreciate what you've done. They'll, they'll be louder. And then it was so funny when I, when I got there, because when, when we shot it, it's me, you know, uh, Sondheim in a workshop uh, with uh, Jonathan Larson and Lynn has in the audience of the workshop, basically, I think we had three Pulitzers in the room, basically every playwright, everybody who had been mentored by Stephen Sondheim. And I'm up there, you know, hacking my way through the jungle with a dull machete. You clearly survived. Look, you 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 uh, you you 
pleased the Humphrey heads notoriously. They loved your Hubert Humphrey, and I'm sure you're going to do the same for the Sondimiacs. I hope so. Theater, theater people, you know, actors, their hearts are the size of a raisin. <laughs> the last thing I, I do want to mention, um, I, I learned that a lot of actors have been getting into this, especially in the last year, doing these kind of like scripted podcasts. You have an audible podcast that you took part in called A Total Switch Show, which has some of yes. my favorite human beings on it. I positively adore uh, Zoe, Zoe Deutsch, and, and her she mom, Leah Thompson. Yeah, Good experience they were- on that one. They were great. They were great. And it was really fun. I had never, um, I had never done anything, um, remotely like that. Uh, and it, it, it was really a lot of fun. They are delightful. I, I love their relationship as mother and daughter. It's really kind of, kind of beautiful. Well, if there's a theme to this conversation, it's finding the the, the non-assholes out there and, and work with the, the, the ones that are talented and actually good human beings. And it seems like you found a disproportionate amount no, of them. I, I, feel, I feel very lucky. Also, I do want to mention one thing that's coming up yeah. um, is uh, I, uh, Audie Barkin uh, is uh, an activist uh, fighting for Medicare for All, who is a dear friend uh, uh, who I met uh, during an action for the Dreamers. Uh, and uh, he was diagnosed with ALS uh, and continued to fight and was a real force in sort of flipping the house and putting healthcare on the map. Um, and there's a documentary uh, that just won an audience award at uh, South by Southwest uh, that I produced about him with the Duplass brothers called Not Going Quietly. Amazing. And uh, uh, it's going to be on PBS in the fall. Awesome. I, I will definitely look out for that. We, 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 I think we share, fair to say, we share the, uh, much of the same politics and I appreciate your, your activism, which I know predates uh, West Wing. And it's just one of those nice coincidences in life that it probably kind of coincided and helped enable your, your further activism uh, in, in recent years. So uh, keep fighting the by, good by, fight. By know. the way, Adi Barkin, total asshole. So <laughs> <laughs> always one. No. Um, and you are not, sir. It's been a real pleasure, honestly, to get to know you today. I, as you can tell, I'm a big fan of your work going way back uh, all the way to Elizabeth Shue dancing uh, for you. I'll do that. I'll do that after the podcast. I'll, I'll dance to uh, the photo I have framed of you. Um, everybody should check out season four of The Handmaid's Tale and all of Bradley's endeavors. Um, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. It was a pleasure. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 